So Nick. It's <laughs> the way you want to ask. I can. Guys, I can already tell. The 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 podcast for the podcast listeners. I started that, and Nick looked up at me like his eyes were dead. He was just like, I have no feeling anymore. I can't take much more of Sam messing with me. And um, uh, it's not going to stop me from saying, Nick, you can't start a fire. You can't start a fire without a spark. This gun's for hire, even if it's just the devil in the dark. Sam, that was beautiful. I love that. I love that. <laughs> I love you. I love this podcast, and I love our viewers. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Nicholas Hines. <laughs> Samuel Becker. I'm trying to wake up. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I've been. I just started my second job, uh, and these uh, 19 hour long days are uh, really getting to me. Yeah, you know they're they're rough, but uh, but we got something to cheer you up. We do. Ever. We do. We're gonna we're gonna start it off right right off the bat here because I am just chopping at the bit to to test this new segment out, and Ooh. I'm calling this segment "Which Blish is Which." Uh, what? I like so, that. Oh, so okay. Nick, I went forward in this book and found a blishism that I quite enjoyed. I also went and I wrote a passage myself trying to imitate our james blish i'm going to read both of them to you and you're going to have to pick out which blish is which you 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 ready for this i i've never been more ready in my life so here is passage number one spock kirk said i believe i am in love with Edith Keeler. And it was true. He knew it was irresponsible, semicolon. As a man in charge of a crew of nearly 400, all of whom relied on him, to even think of ignoring it all for love should be inconceivable. But ignoring his love, it seemed, was a bigger offense. I know, Spock said, that damnable Vulcan monotone kicking in. That's why I said, I'm sorry. Oh, that was a hard one. I uh, see. First, I was just like, "Well, with the semicolon, this is definitely Mister Blish." But then the way you talked about Spock there at the end, I don't know. I don't know. That sounded that sounded a little Sam to me. Mmm. All right, let's see the second one. Passage number two. Just need a little rest. That's all. I'm not old, am I? Well, say it. Say I'm not old. There was no response. Grasping her by the shoulders, he pulled her to him and kissed her with all the violence of which he was capable. But there was no response, not from her. And what was worse, not even within himself. He released her and saw the pity in her eyes. He turned his back. <laughs> that is passage number two. Now, Nick, ba-da-ba-ba, which blish 
is which? Hmm. Thank you. I would have to say the first one is is uh, a Sam Becker original, and the second one is maybe an, an original Blish. Oh man, you got it! You are Ooh. right on the money. Damn, I uh, y- you know what? I'm actually a little bit surprised because uh, I I was just like I don't I don't really know. I really don't know. <laughs> um. Dude, yours was actually very convincing, just so you know. I, I honestly had no idea. <laughs> I I knew I shouldn't have put the Vulcan. I knew putting the Vulcan in there with Spock, like, I yes. knew that was going a little too far. But I wanted to put it in anyway. Cause, the, you know. the semicolon literally threw me off so much. I literally, <laughs> if you didn't say the Spock thing, I would have been like, oh, yours is the, the real one, obviously. <laughs> It's something to learn for a future endeavor. Yes, 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 yes. But that includes our first installment of Which Blish, Blish is Which? Is which. which Blish is Which is uh, filmed in front of a live studio audience. That's right. My roommates. <laughs> yep. Oh, that's actually... Well, I like that that wasn't a lie. In a way, <laughs> it was. Uh, so, as we said before, ladies and gentlemen, this today's episode uh, from, of course, as always, the Star Trek classic episodes, novel, uh, anthology, if you will, by the great, the legendary, the powerful, Mr. James Bush. Power just oozes out of the words <laughs> that he writes. Uh, yes, it, this this man in his vital mid forties uh, yeah. is just really pounding it out. It oozes like a thick, sticky paste of power. <sighs> <laughs> and so, it's moments like this when I can't wait to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get you off to bed soon enough, Nick. Um, the episode that we are talking about today is called, if you hadn't guessed already from the intro, The Devil in the Dark. It was written by Gene L. Kuhn with the director Joseph Pevney. And it was aired on March 9th, 1967. And to get a little uh, little look into March 9th of 1967, Camelot was released, by uh, directed by Joshua Logan Ooh, and nice. starring Richard Harris, Vanessa Redgrave. Yeah, Richard Harrison's great in that. Um, and Tarzan and the Great River was also released at this date directed by robert day and starring mike henry jan murray manuel padilla jr and diana millay i have no idea what that one is yeah um and uh tv series uh princess princess du rail were popular i think this is a french tv series um and uh take me back to also says that uh, the movie Rango, starring Johnny Depp, was also very popular uh, in uh, March 3rd of 1967, or March 9th of 1967. Um, so, man, that Rango, it's a, uh, it, it's, a, it's a time walker right there. I, I don't understand that one. Every time I scroll down to the very bottom of that website, Rango is always on there. So <laughs> thank God, I, I was literally your, your mind warping me with that one. Like my mind, I was literally just like, man, you know what? Maybe I do need to stop doing this second job. My mind is becoming mush. 
That's right, Nick. I said Rango. <laughs> that popular 1967 flick, Rango. Yeah, no. Starring Johnny Depp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, well, ladies and gentlemen, this was actually a kind of an interesting story. This is one that I didn't remember not even a little bit there's not one part of this story that made me go oh yes i remember this star trek episode mm-hmm. um, i i actually remember watching this episode um and it's great to see the differences just like with the the uh arena episode where we talked about the gorn and how you know yes. james bush gets into a lot of detail of discussing what this beautiful shredded gorn hottie looks like um this episode goes a lot into the detail of what this thing is, and um, uh, we can talk about what it actually looks like in the television episode uh, when we get to that point. But uh, anyway, we begin uh, with, once again, as with many of the intros of many of our James Blish stories, we begin with a description of how terrible a certain planet is. Pretty much in the James Blish Trek, all planets are bad. They're either dusty, or they stink, or there's just really, like, savage life forms on there. It's just... You really... After you get a few stories into here, you really wonder why anyone on the Enterprise is actually wanting to go on any of these missions. It's literally, like, all you have is, like, you discover these planets that are already terrible. And we get to, Janus was an ugly planet, reddish-brown, slowly rotating, with a thick layer of clouds so turbulent that it appeared to be boiling. What a, what a lovely, hospitable place to go down on, huh? Yeah, you know, uh, only the, you know, the, the Federation only picks the best of planets when, you know, they're going across that boiling pot of lava. We're gonna make uh, we're gonna make our ends meet here, boys. That's right. <laughs> and everyone says, you know what, boss? That sounds like a great idea. Sign me up for some of that. Yup. Now I don't know if it was me, but did it annoy? Did the chief engineer annoy you? Oh, certainly, Chief Engineer Vanderberg. Yeah. Now- now this guy, so pretty much, I you know I'm jumping uh, like literally only two sentences ahead, but uh, uh, we pretty much we you know are obviously we're at this ugly ass planet because nothing's ever good enough for Kirk and his crew. Uh, yeah. Only apparently sweet sweet Earth is uh, you know suitable enough for for the likes of James T. Kirk. It's the most um, desirable planet for the most <clears throat> desirable man. That's very true. Uh, so pretty much the, this chief engineer is just going on and he's just like, they killed 50 of my men. I can't believe this. Uh, and pretty much, uh, we have at this, at at this meeting, Kirk Spock, Lieutenant Commander Gito, uh, McCoy, Mm -hmm. and a security officer named Kelly, because you know what? That's really important. Yeah, we we definitely hear from these characters again. The, my favorite part is is I don't even think Kelly has a line, and I don't think we ever hear from him again. 
No, I think it's literally just there was a guy named Kelly. Named Kelly there. there. Yeah, just like just in case you wanted to know. Thumbs up. Uh, so he's pretty much telling us that because of, so, that there's some sort of monster, uh, that is apparently running through the tunnels of, you know, their operation here in the center of this sun or lava pit or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Because they're, they're in, they are a mining colony, basically. They're there to, to mine, um <clears throat> Platinum, uranium, and even gold. Get get it, Whoa. Nick? Uranium. uranium. <laughs> Sounds like urine. <laughs> That's what that <laughs> joke made me do. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, that wasn't real. Yeah, but... Uh, but you uh, know what? This is Mr. Yeah. Blish. He's done it again. He's done it again. He's killed off many crew. He's given us a character that no one cares about. Um, and these poor mining colony people, they keep finding their men burned to a crisp. Um, he even says it. Uh, the chief engineer says, we found them burned to a crisp. Um, and uh, they said that they keep firing like phasers at it and nothing is hurting it. And Spock says, anything a phaser will not affect has to be an illusion. Any life form, that is. Which is kind of okay. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, like right. um... that's If that's where we're going with that, you're calling an entire group of people liars. Um... Uh, and then it, we get the classic line. It's like one of my favorite like cheesy movie. Tell that to Billy Anderson. Tell that to the guy who died. Yeah, he never had a chance. I only got away by the skin of my teeth. It's just like, ah, oh, yes. Perfection. Perfecto. Yeah, that's, that's your knockoff Friday the 13th movie where it's like, there's no guy in a hockey mask walking around. Well, then tell that to my brother. And then it's just like, there's a guy with a hockey mask behind me, isn't there? Oh, and then he gets his head chopped off, and it's like, yeah. wow, that was a great kill. <laughs> or or he gets his arms chopped off and then beaten to death with both of the <laughs> chopped off arms. That'd be pretty cool. I'd, I'd give that a watch. <laughs> I'd, give that, I'd give that two stars on IMDb. <laughs> yeah, it gets, uh, oh, I don't know, I think that's a two and a halfer for me. Ooh... <laughs> Whopping. A whopping two and a half stars. Um, so they say that uh, through all of these people, like uh, they're looking at some of the, the maps to where they've been drilling. And uh, they said, yeah, where we've been drilling, we've been finding these like silicon nodules. There are like millions of them around here. And we have no idea what's happening. Like they're just these nodules. They're these like circular silicon balls. Um, as the chief engineer is kind of like he's just fondling them he's sitting there at his desk talking to Captain Kirk he's, like, yes. he's fondling these silicon yes. nodules um, there's nothing weird about this I swear <laughs> and Kirk is like uh, why am I suddenly interested in what this man has this, to say right oh my god when uh, any sort of sexual harassment is already underway, uh, Kirk is just all over it. 
That's right. Abe wants to be sexually harassed this time. <laughs> um, when doesn't he want to be? This is the actual question. <laughs> um, maybe, maybe if it was uh, Ruck. Uh, he was too jacked to be. Ooh, uh, too jacked. Too Rook jacked. was just too jacked. I, I was yeah. trying. I've been trying to think for episodes now. What was that guy's name? And it, it's Rook. Rook. Our um, boy Rook. Uh, so Spock gets off to uh, analyzing this acid, uh, or how how these people have been burned to a crisp. And Spock says that it's acid. It's very weak acid. But there are two things that it attacks strongly. One of them is glass. You have to keep it in wax bottles, or, as Spock suggests, is Teflon. And and the other thing, human flesh. So here's of the course. thing. Of course. This is Doctor McCoy saying this. Here's the thing. If the acid really like breaks down human flesh at an insanely high rate, and also glass i wouldn't call it a weak acid honestly i would no i wouldn't call that if it could kill you like even if a little bit got on you and it killed you i wouldn't call that a weak acid yeah it's just like damn all right so i guess like the aliens uh like like from alien obviously like i guess their blood is just like that's a weak acid too yeah that's a weak acid it only it only eats through metal and human flesh yep it's, it's just <laughs> yeah we need something a little stronger just to get out those buffs yeah uh or to buff uh ugh. Just to get out, just to buff up those scratches, buff yeah. out those, uh, whatever, ladies and gentlemen, you know what I mean. <laughs> yes, we know what you mean, Nick. Uh, our final segment of the evening will Nick is Nick gets some sleep. <laughs> um. So we look. Uh, they're they they go to the reactor to take a look at uh, uh, Ground Zero because while they're while they're going over the acid that is very weak but very strong. There's oh, a call yes. over the communicators saying that there's been another incident. They go to the reactor core. Um, inside the bulk of the reactor, uh, let's see. Uh, where is it? Ah, here it is. Before it, before it was a small blackened lump, which might have once been a man. Dun dun dun. So <sighs> somebody got burned to a crisp again, and uh. Vanderberg freaks out. He runs over to Vanderberg. Kirk's first reaction is to go up to the reactor and go, I didn't know anyone still used fission for power. Nuclear fission. <laughs> yeah, you see, like... What an a, asshole. <laughs> a burnt crisp of a human being, and he walks up to the reactor going, Hmm, what outdated technology? Yeah, he's literally just like, oh man, don't don't step in that. Don't get any of that on your shoes. Damn, you see that shit? Guys, I'm not so certain that this place is running at full efficiency with all these dead crew members. Can hmm. somebody get like a broom and just like broom this out here? Do anything, honestly. And uh, just if uh, I don't know if the if our audience is at all uh, interested, but like I find it interesting that we've literally maybe told you 
in total of like stuff information that actually matters towards the story we've probably told you maybe five minutes worth of information mm -hmm. out of this entire podcast for which we have 21 minutes uh so far yeah um and uh i would say probably that information if we would put it all down it probably maybe get half a page mm. Well, not when you use the delicious James Blish prose. Oh, yes. Such beautiful descriptions and, mm -hmm. you know, scenes and just delights from Mr. Blish. Yeah, because uh, uh, Chief Engineer Vanderberg says that uh, if they evacuate the uh, location, uh, which, you know, you might want to do... If there's a monster hunting monster, you yeah, yeah. through the tunnels of this little colony. Uh, but if they evacuate the location, um, we'll have a maximum accident that will poison half the planet. So, uh, Mr. Blish, 100%. That was grade A grammar, grade A, like... Perfection. A maximum accident. Not just a minor accident. Minor. Maximum. A maximum accident. A maximum I... accident that could only happen to a man in his vital 40s. That's right. Oh, honey, it happens to all of the guys. You know. A maximum accident. Accident. I think what he meant to say here is that there will be a nuclear meltdown. But unfortunately, he doesn't. Because the, the monster stole, like, a platinum thing that goes on to the reactor that keeps it ticking. Yeah, uh, they really don't even, um, uh, like, mention it very well or describe it very well. Uh, the way I always thought of it as, like, literally, like, as if they had, like, a joint hose piece. So it's like you're screwing on two points of a hose, yep. and that's legitimately what it sounds like they're talking about. And they're like, ah we can't make that i know we have you know like phasers and uh you know s some archaic replicators and stuff like that but uh nah sorry we we can't do anything for that no we're a mining colony but somehow we can't find platinum like it's made out of platinum and we can't get anything else out of platinum and so kirk goes not a problem and he whips out his communicator and he says scotty can you get a new uh, perfusion pump for a PXK uh, fission reactor? Maybe in a museum, Captain. Uh, no, actually, Scotty's real response here is, Who, Captain? You must be Haverin. Okay, that was a little bit better. That was a little bit better than mine. <laughs> you must be Haverin. You must be Haverin, Captain. I'm dead serious, semicolon. It's vital. <laughs> so, Scotty says, uh, you know what? Uh, fine, I'll try and fashion one. No big deal. Um, you know. <laughs> no, you know. Uh, and so, then Kirk says, great, so I'm gonna get a couple of red shirts together, and we're gonna take a look through these tunnels. And Spock says, oh, hey, Here's a tunnel that's not indicated on any of the charts that were provided. It was simply not there before. And uh, uh, Kirk goes, huh, this is interesting. Let's go back to the ship to talk about this. Yeah, right. So they beam all the way back into the ship. 
and they they go into the conference room and uh, um, they're asking each other like what do you think is going on what do you think is going on and Captain McCoy or Dr. McCoy says I think it's mass hysteria and Kirk says hysteria dozens of people have been killed some natural cause is what McCoy says and it's like what people getting burned to a crisp is a natural cause just about to say (laughs) and Kirk's response like surely doctor a natural cause but not hysteria it's like what what why are we talking about people dying like well we've all heard about people you know getting uh you know disintegrated with an acid but you really think it could be you know just a panic it's yeah. like, like, yes. Yes, I do. It's mass hysteria. People are giving themselves heart attacks. And you know when you have a heart attack, you just... Uh, you instantly burn and, in, like, turn into flames and, like, turn into a big old crisp of ashes. Like, of course. That's, that's what happens when you, you have mass hysteria. Uh, but Spock does the more logical solution, which is there is actually a monster that is spitting acid onto these people and it's trying to get the colonists off of the planet for whatever reason. Um, and, and Kirk asks, why do you think that it's trying to get the colonists off the planet? And he says, because it stole the platinum thingading. And, uh, you know, it wouldn't steal the platinum thingading if it didn't already know that they needed the platinum thingading to stay on the planet. Yeah. And Kirk says, the platinum thingading. And Spock says, the platinum thingading. And McCoy says, the platinum thingading. And Spock says, the platinum thingading. And then uh, Nick says, the platinum thingading. And, and Sam says the platinum thingadang. And then Spock says, "Yeah, like I've I've analyzed this, and um, uh, <laughs> Spock says um, the result is Teflon, which may be what the creature's internal tubing is made out of." Hmm. Because that's of what's course. Ho- that's what's holding all the acid in. And of course. Kirk says, "Do you mean to imply that this thing goes about killing men with its own blood?" It's like, nah. It's more like it's spitting on them. Yeah, more like it's spitting on them, and it may spit and sweat it too. For all I know, its tunneling suggests that it does. So here's the thing. Let's let's again go. It secretes this acid that allows it to tunnel through rock, through rock, burn humans alive, and also, like, burn through other things. And McCoy called it a weak acid. Just just wanted to reiterate, weak acid. (laughs) A weak acid. (sighs) Mr. Blish... You've done it again. And so Kirk says, well, I guess the only solution here is to go uh, back to the colony and uh, find this thing by going through the tunnels. So I'm going to gather up a couple of the engineer people and we're going to uh, we're, we're going to we're going to flush this thing out. So it goes down and there are a whole bunch of engineers with the chief engineer. And Kirk says, I don't want any more deaths. So be careful. And the chief engineer says, Except the bloody thing. That's Vanderberg. Because Vanderberg 
Vanderberg is out for blood. We Hopefully. don't want any deaths. Yeah, except for that thing. Screw him. Huh. That, that is edgy. Yeah, that's also a very B-movie thing. You're right, Nick. About yes. The, like, that's another line where, where like, they're huddled together. <coughs> and we're like, we're just trying to get out of here. We're just trying to survive. We don't want any more to, people to die. And, like, the football dude is like, except for the thing that's killing us. And he, like, trying to, he gets to be the hero, and he, like, takes an axe, but then the axe is pulled out of his hands, and it's used to chop him in half, um, and then chop him into quarters and thirds, and, you know, that, that sort of stuff. Damn, I, you know what? Respect on how, uh, how vivid that got. I wasn't expecting us to go all the way there, but you know what? You took us, like most times in this podcast, to that next level. I, you, yeah, I took the, us to an edge that we cannot come back from. Yes, we definitely went went past the edge. Yeah. Um. So they're so all. So how do we even get back into the story now? <laughs> I I don't know. They they were walking they were walking around and then they hear a scream. They run back. Uh, they run back to where one of the engineers were. A moment later. And they I were... wish that was, like, there was actually something else to say, but they were actually, like, legitimately just walking around talking about nothing, and then they were like, I think I heard something. Yeah, I I, I imagined it as, like, one of those Scooby, the uh, original Scooby-Doo cartoons where they're walking around and the background is the same background, like, it's the same three doors that they keep walking yes, by. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and they're just, like, kind of walking, and then, hey, wait a second, I heard something. And then they run back across like they you see the three yes doors. the three doors again yeah. and it's just like we did it we're back and a moment later they were looking at a small blackened lump on the tunnel floor with a phaser beside it grimly spock picked up the weapon and checked it <laughs> and then i like to think that like spock checks it and then he tosses it over his shoulder and they go yes. back to doing whatever it was that they He's were like, doing like ah, we won't need this anymore nah whatever <laughs> Uh, but then we find out it was never even shot. No, it was the phaser. There was a slithering sound behind them. They whirled together in the darkness. It was difficult to make out details except for movement an undulating crawl forward. The creature was large, low to the ground, somehow worm like it was now making another noise, a menacing rattle like pebbles being shaken in a tin can of course so then it also says it was astonishing that anything of that bulk could move so rapidly uh so it's a it's a description of a monster that looks kind of like a worm that's able to burrow into the the walls which Mm -hmm. makes sense you know worms an underground creature um that would be you know, that would be where your head would go, except mm-hmm. that in the actual episode, like in the original series episode, it looks like somebody threw like a piece of wall-to-wall carpeting over somebody who's crawling on all fours. Yes, I was praying that it would be something like that. That is all it is. And people, like, they, they stuck some, like, I think they painted it so it looked like there was magma coming off of it. 
Oh, I was really hoping, honestly, I was hoping for that, like, some weird trivia where it was like, this creature is actually just, like, five triples that they put together and they, like, put a piece of fabric over it. That's, That's it. definitely what it looks like. It, it's, it's, it just, it's, they threw a, a piece of carpeting over a dude and was just like, walk on all fours. So, when it Can says here... You? It was astonishing how anything of that bulk could move so rapidly. It does not move rapidly in that TV show. It no. looks like there is someone underneath it, like, trying not to hurt their knees as they scramble around on all fours as fast as they possibly can go. <laughs> <laughs> I almost want to watch this scene now. It's, it's great, because that leads us to our next scene, where... Kirk follows it and goes into a place where there are a lot of these like silicon nodules, these perfect balls, and the wall-to-wall carpeting is in front of him, like protecting the nest, pretty much. And uh, Kirk, like, it's a fun little back and forth, like shot counter shot, where Kirk is like moving side to side, like trying to get around it. And and you see like the flaps of the carpeting move up and down as it also moves back and forth. It's just like buh, 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 buh. it's uh yeah it's very interesting. One hundred percent. So uh, um, then we get a uh, call from Scotty as Kirk is dealing with this, and Scotty says. Hey, uh, my brilliant improvisation just gave up the ghost. It couldn't take the strain. Okay, so gave up the ghost. Yep. You know what, yep. Sam? Usually I would have something smart to say. Uh, I'm just... Mr. Blish, I just want you to know that this time, I'm disappointed. And you know what? <laughs> that should hurt him a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, I'm not but his... mad. I'm just disappointed. But but his voice was drowned out by the roar of hundreds of tons of collapsing rock and debris, Nick. Well, you know, sometimes it's you know really magical, and you know there could be a lot of rocks and debris. But this time, it wasn't magical. It it was. Mister Blish did not do it again this time, for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Well. Then Spock comes along, and they're both staring at this piece of carpeting, and Spock says, Let's if, I could, if I could possibly get into a Vulcan mind lock with that creature. Of course. A Vulcan mind lock. That, that is the, the verbiage that is used, the, the mind lock. Lock. Mind lock. Uh, of course. Not, you know, mind... I guess it's not exactly a mind meld because he doesn't have his hands on him, but like a mind link, anything. Can you? I just imagine like James Blish sitting in front of his typewriter. <coughs> Maybe he's looking at the original screenplay as he's trying to novelize it, and he reads like Spock saying, "If I could perhaps do a Vulcan mind meld," and and he goes. Mind meld? Ah, that's a stupid word. Let's do a Vulcan mind lock. Tick, 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 tick. Uh, you know what the worst part is? Is that's 100% what happened, I guarantee you. 
Ah, oh, Mr. Bliss, you've done it again. So, uh, so Spock does the mind meld, and then he starts moaning and saying, like, so much death, so much destruction, the pain, the genocide. Ah! And then he, he kind of has to pull away. That was uh, beautiful, Sam. Yeah, and, and then the, uh, the... The, the creature goes into a corner it stays there for a second goes away and they see that within the mind meld the creature learned a little English and it wrote on the ground that it was there in the corner no kill I well you would think that it had learned a little better grammar before uh, during the, the, the Vulcan <laughs> yes of, of course how dare it not know proper English now I want predicates and and verbs and I want the, the adjectives no kill I no kill I no kill I get that printed on a t-shirt yeah um yeah you know um so it's injured because all of a sudden like the the engineers burst in and uh the chief engineer is trying to kill it um it gets injured kirk brings mccoy over and he says to mccoy you need to treat this thing and mccoy says i'm a doctor not a bricklayer oh classic that's that's one of like the best ones so far i gotta say though i'm a doctor not a bricklayer the best one though throughout the entire series i don't know if i mentioned this is is um i'm a doctor not an elevator assistant that's right that's my favorite one (laughs) that's right um and so uh, spock goes back into the vulcan mind meld and he he keeps saying like sorrow such sorrow sadness pain there were tears running down his cheeks. Sorrow, the dead, the children. Kirk felt a thrill of sympathy. He did not in the least understand this litany, but no one could hear so many emotionally loaded words chanted in circumstances of such tension without reacting. So, um, he, a couple episodes ago, we must remind the ladies and gentlemen that he once chastised a woman for, like, emotionally reacting to a view of Khan, but now that he sees, like, Spock screaming about sorrow and agony, like, he's letting himself off the hook to be yes. a little emotionally uh, unstable. Invested, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's important. Spock can do what he wants. He's, you know, he's he's in his vital 40s, too, you know. Yeah, that's right. Um, so... They realize that all of the silicon nodules are eggs, and... And somehow McCoy fixes the creature. Somehow McCoy fixes the creature. He literally says, uh, he literally says, I don't know, I kind of just did it. I performed a miracle, like something along those lines. Yeah, he's, he's a medical miracle man. Um, and so, so Spock runs away because he's just too overcome with his uh with his sadness and sorrow but they do realize that all the silicon nodules they are eggs um and vanderberg comes back again he wants to kill it he wants to shoot it and so kirk raises his own weapon and he says he says the first person that shoots dies 
Ooh. Got him. He, he sets that phaser on kill, and he's like, I'll kill you. I don't even care. You're not in Starfleet. Yeah, boy. This guy's crazy. Don't don't test him. I like to think that's what Spock's saying, like as like he's like running away, like, don't test him. He's crazy. Yeah, and so they, they eventually stand down after uh Kirk says that she's intelligent, peaceful, and mild. Uh and they find within the nest the reactor pump is actually still intact. It was just stolen by the monster to by get coincidence yeah to get them off the planet um so they find it and they give it back turns out that this is a race of like beings that like every few hundred years the entire race dies off and like they they have all these nodules that are eggs and there's only one of the race that for another couple hundred years tends to the eggs until they uh burst again and repopulate the planet and as nick said mccoy cures the uh injured thing whatever it is and as you said nick he does a weird like i can cure anything he says by golly i'm beginning to think i can cure a rainy day ah well uh sam it's been an excellent episode with you today bud but uh that was just that was one too far (laughs) that line was uh that's where i've ended it today yeah yeah uh sam there comes a time in a man's life when Uh he reads a book Uh he reads a chapter a few pages if you will Mm -hmm. and he just realizes that you know, sometimes the the characters he's reading just aren't aren't. You know what? Screw this. Screw this story. Uh, I I was trying to think of something clever, and I couldn't do it. Mister Bliss, you're making me mad today. It's also <laughs> Nick is very sleep deprived. <laughs> he he was trying to think of the classic 1967 hit Rango starring Johnny Depp. Yes, that's right. I was trying to think of you know Rango's main catchphrase from that 76 classic. It was 67. Of, of course, that's what I said. 67. <laughs> well, his his catchphrase. Uh, for the ladies and gentlemen who also don't know it from the movie Rango is watch out kids I'm Rango that's my favorite quote I think of a movie anywhere just you know his inflection when he goes watch out kids you know it just it always puts me in a good mood yeah you know I mean uh, I I got as a Christmas gift one year uh, a, a poster of like 101 famous movie quotes and the number one on that list of the 101 mm. famous movie quotes was, Watch out, kids, kids. I'm Rango. I would it's... 100% agree with that. Uh, Rosebud overrated. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know the, that little speech from the end of Casablanca? Trash. Uh, you know, the thing that Tom Hanks whispers to the girl in Lost in Translation? Doesn't matter. But that, that right there... That's something special. Yeah, I mean, here's the question <laughs> that you have to ask, Nick. 
First of all, I think it was Bill Murray that was in Lost in Translation. Who did I say? You said Tom Hanks. Oh, my bad. I, I definitely meant Bill Murray, because <laughs> I, I definitely know it's Bill Murray. <laughs> and and second of all, Johnny Depp was not in Citizen Kane. In fact, he was not in any of the other movies that you just listed. So that's what makes Watch Out Kids, I'm Rango, the most memorable line. <laughs> oh, of course. Um, I'm sorry. I should have known that the that when a, a, a somebody as influential as Johnny Depp enters a film, it, it just can't not be memorable. That's right. I mean, listen, like, that's why everyone loved The Crimes of the Grindelwald. Uh, or whatever it was called. Do you um, actually see that? No, absolutely not. Why would I go? Do, why would I do that? I haven't myself? seen it either. But oh boy, that that looked like a a whole bunch of uh, we'll say fun. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, we, you heard it here here first, ladies and gentlemen, on the Lost in Memory Alpha podcast. Almost a month after the crimes of the Gundabug, uh was released, that it is <laughs> crimes of, of the fun. Gundabug. I love how the 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 name is just keep on like derailing. It's just like keep on going down. Just soon to be like you know the bimes of Ungle. Uh... <laughs> the mimes of the Schmurgenskar. Um. Yeah, but weren't we uh... talking about an episode? <laughs> somewhere in here we're gonna be talking about this <laughs> i don't know why we're talking about this we're talking about rango um anyway that concludes the episode like spock says something about like they the, literally the... talk about don't they talk about um like literally curse just like uh, he gives them 10 reasons why like they shouldn't kill this animal Mm-hmm. And it's just like, like he's gonna make you money, and the moment he says, he's gonna make you money, this guy literally, I think the next line is just like, oh, really? I like this guy. Yeah, I like the thought of money. Oh, uh, no, no, he literally says, but how do you know this thing will go for it? Not, you know, oh, uh, you're right, you know, this is a living creature, do you think it will go for it? Hmm? Like, Jesus. <laughs> And Spock's like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yep. It's, it's a logical being. Um, da, and... da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, and Captain Kirk says, oh, it's quite logical indeed. And Spock says, after years of close association with humans, I find it curiously refreshing. Big old... Uh, ho, 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 ho. Uh, and that's definitely a freeze frame. Uh, Star Trek has filmed in front of a live studio audience. Something like that. Sometimes you wanna go where every Klingon knows your name. And they always hate that you came. You wanna be where you can see. Yeah, yeah, I forgot there's an extra thing. I always go right for the chorus because that's the best part. Yeah. Um. But, ladies and gentlemen. We hope you enjoyed this story. I'm sorry I haven't been in in the greatest of moods. I'm uh, next next episode. You're gonna have a bright, bushy-eyed, cheerful, you know, regular old, you know, James Blish loving at kinds. Today the Blish is not is not fully with me. I feel. Mm. And the Blish needs to be within all of us, as he always is. As he always is. 
Uh, our next episode will be Errand of Mercy. Um, Ooh, I and... hope this is a really short one. That would uh... make me happy. Because it's, I honestly, I think it's better when it's shorter. Uh, oh, that's not awful. It's, it's almost. It's seventy nine to eighty ninety. Eighty nine. Yeah, it's seventy nine to eighty nine. So it's a ten pager. Ah, uh, that's that's going to be classic. Ooh, so, another one by Mr. Gene Kuhn also. Yeah. Oh, boy. Uh, Gene I hopefully, hopefully he's bringing the same sort of sauce, the same sort of, you know, creative juices that he definitely had in, uh, you know, in our story, The Devil in the Dark. That's right. I mean, I think he's real good at naming stuff, that Gene L. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best thing he's done. <laughs> probably name stuff the devil in the dark and errand of mercy mercy Ooh. if we were in france we would say it's the errand of mercy <laughs> oh for for all of our listeners nick collapsed back onto his chair like i'm actually having trouble breathing now after that one that one, yeah, I'm, I'm physically out of breath. <sighs> Where's a water bottle when you need one? Jesus, that left me parched. <laughs> oh, well, uh, that concludes this story. So now we are going to uh, enter the segment of Nick Gets Some Sleep. Uh, oh, that's my favorite segment of tonight. Thank you for listening to Lost in Memory Alpha. I am yes. Samuel Becker. My name's Nicholas Hines. We love you. We hope to hear from you. Give us a comment, like, of subscribe. Do whatever you can. Let us know what you think of the show. Mm-hmm. You know what? Just remember, Mickey loves you. It's from, from Rocky, Rocky Three. Yeah, okay. Uh, see now, now I'm full of energy. You know, you got me riled up now. Yeah, it was this is all right the, at the was, end of the episode. It was all the Rango talk. Yeah, it was all the Rango talk. All right, ladies and gentlemen, have a good one. <laughs>